Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 323. My name is Brando. First episode of 2022, and boy, am I glad to even be here, be here to have it with you. That wasn't meant to rhyme, but uh, without further ado, let's continue the rhyme. My dear Ian, former co-host, current friend. I couldn't think of a better person to kick off the new year than just bringing you back to talk about Guns N' Roses and life and whatever hijinks we used to get into. Yeah, thanks, man. The last time I was on was with uh, George Lynch, which was a really fun interview. Yeah. And got picked up quite a few places. Yeah, that's something I really like to do because, you know, you and I, we like, I always say it. I know you don't listen to all my episodes or any of them, whatever. You have a whole life of your own. I, I listen to what I can, though. Oh, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, you see, I haven't changed. I just don't think anybody listens, but I know they do. So, but I, it's kind of like an appreciation thing, not just to have an episode with you, but when I'm interviewing somebody that I know you know, like someone like you is going to, you're a Dawkins fan. We did you know, oh, yeah. so much Dawkins talk in the early days of Appetite for Distortion. Or when I had Matt Wake on to, when he's a co-host to, to talk about, you know, LA Guns with Phil Lewis. I just kind of want to reward my friends. You know, I want to reward the fans of this show, which I've also done through co-hosting. And, you know, so that's what's been great and why I'm just very fortunate and, and so honored to be able to continue this podcast. It's Guns N' Roses themed Guns N' Roses flavored bar mitzvah party of a broadcast into a brand new year and and see where it goes, um, where it left off, because this could be a could uh, be a huge year for the podcast. It will be, you know. Let's will it into existence. The Doug Goldstein book, okay? Because I think our first interview, Ian, our first big interview, was with Anthony Boza, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that too. And I'll tell this and. Uh, Whatever, you know. Just, and, and when we say big interview, by the way, he's one of those names that chances are most of the audience will be like, I don't know the name, but he's written so many books. And and I should say written. I mean, he's listed as a co-writer, but at the end of the day, I think it's mainly Anthony's work and Slash, Tracy Morgan, Artie Lang, Derek Jeter. Tommy like, Lee. It's a huge list of you. Tommy Lee. The list goes on. So I'll tell you something right now, and I'm forever indebted to to Doug for doing this. I, you know, I at first I answer the phone, which I do a lot of times. If my boss calls, I think I'm fired. If my girlfriend or my wife calls, whatever, I think I'm, you know, getting broken up with, whatever. It's just my, you know, I'm in therapy. I had therapy today. We we I spoke to her via Zoom. So here's the deal. So that's kind of what's been happening with a lot of this year. Um, with Doug Goldstein, what I've talked about, which we talked about the last episode of the podcast, is me working on his autobiography. We're kind of doing, we're Zooming, like we're doing now, although this is going to be an audio-only episode. We're going back to our roots uh, to kick off the new year. Uh, so Doug called me one day out of the blue, which he did before the book was even a thing. That shows you the kind of guy he is. He was just he's just calling to say hi. Like, that's what Doug Goldstein, it's crazy to me. <laughs> So he calls me one day. He's like, guess who I just got a call from? I'm like, who? Anthony Boza. Okay. What did he want? 
He's like, if you need any help with your book, I'm here. And he's, I'm like, oh, he's, I'm like, okay. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, Doug, do what you got to do. It's your life. I'm not going to tell you how to live it. You know, I appreciate, you know, I'm having, I'm preparing this whole speech in my head. And Doug says, no, uh, you know, thanks Anthony for the offer. Don't worry. I have a guy. And he's talking about me. Which is crazy when you think about it. <laughs> and it is crazy. And Doug says to me, he's like, look, obviously Anthony can get it done in a more timely fashion. He's, you know, he's, he has a name, uh, but you're my guy. You, you know, I, I can trust you. I know you don't have an, an agenda. I'm not saying Anthony does, but he just, we, we bonded as kind of as somebody who I still have yet to meet Doug Goldstein. I met again, Alan Niven once uh, in Arizona and my, and my introduction to him was throwing up. Do you know that? You, I told you. <laughs> I, I, no, I don't know if I remember. That. Oh, quick side story. I'm not a. Maybe I should not go in cars anymore. Uh, this was last summer, when my fiance and I and her sister and her sister's partner we were traveling and we, we flew uh, to Phoenix and I asked them to do we, we did whatever GNR detour we can make, you know, like we saw the. Oh, I don't know why it's escaping me now. It's one of the big theaters around Phoenix. Um, maybe the Celebrity Theater. And I took a picture of it, what it looks now, and I posted what it looked then when Guns N' Roses had played it and, you know, in the late 80s, and it was really, you know, like little things like that. Uh, yeah. But uh, Alan Niven, I knew, lived in Prescott from just talking to him and interviewing him, uh, Prescott, Arizona. And I had contacted Alan beforehand, just emailed him, hey, hey I'm going to be in Arizona. I've never been there before. I may never go again. Would you want to meet up, have lunch? Absolutely. So we were on our way to, to meet him, and... My fiance loves taking the, and I apologize to everybody who hasn't heard this, but again, not everybody listens to every episode, but I'm, she just loves taking the scenic route everywhere. You know, it doesn't matter how long it is. She wants it, you know, pretty and all that. Fine, which is great. Uh, and I wasn't driving, so I could look. However, when I'm not driving, I get massively car sick, which I had no idea because I'm usually driving. So I got massively car sick on the way to meet Alan. I'm having them pull over every few Every five, ten minutes to throw up. I threw up my shoes. Like, it's just like, I don't want, am I going to cancel on Alan Niven? Like, I got to meet this guy. Come on, man. Even for the pick for social media, it's like, I've met him. Like, come on. And, uh, you know, when I get there, I'm spinning. Like, I haven't drank in six years, but I feel like I'm drunk. And I'm like on my way to the door of this, you know, very nice kind of, I don't want to say very nice. It was like a nice restaurant, cafe, winery mixture kind of thing. Uh, it, was, it was a cool place where we're going to have lunch with him and his wife. And, you know, I'm by the handicap parking and I'm about to throw up. I'm like, instead of just throwing up the car in front of me, I decided to go throw up between two car spaces. <laughs> and that happened to be right where Alan and his wife were sitting by the, 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 the window, the window seat. Next thing I know, I feel a giant hand on my back kind of saying, are you all right? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's Alan in his uh, New Zealand accent, which I guess butchered. Because uh, I'm looking down and I see his like snake skin kind of like head shoes or whatever, and uh, yeah, I I was pale as a ghost. And eventually, when I you know he bought me ginger ale, had some fries, I got some color in my face, and you know we later took the picture, which is online, all four of us right in the spot where I threw up. But the funniest <laughs> part, which we'll go back into the Doug Goldstein thing, which is going to be again a lot of the work that I did this past year and this year. Um, is going to be devoted into that. And of course the podcast, because that's what, you know, this is all derived from, uh, my fiance and, and no fault of her own. She, she didn't know. She mentioned that she's like, Oh, 
Brandon's writing Duncan's book, and uh, he told me that you guys don't get along so well. Then I <laughs> then I turn white again. I'm like, oh my god, because Alan just doesn't like Doug, you know, for his reasons, his reasons, and. You know, that was just a funny situation, and I, I'm telling Alan. So like, then at that point, does he think, like, you're trying to write something, some dirt about him or something? Right, and I think I I really, which is the truth, because I'm very, look, I, I, I between those guys, especially the life that they've lived, I'm sure they've, they've dealt with so many nefarious characters in their lives and, and, and people who lie to them. I'm just such a bad liar. I really am. I'm just. I'm not trying to get anything out of Alan. I'm not asking these questions. And I. I saw right away when I just said, "Hey, you know, this is just an example of a story Doug's telling me. It's just he's telling the good and the bad about not just you, but himself, or everything. He's telling everything, and that's why he picked me because I'm not going to pick sides because he knows I like you, Alan. He knows that I like him. I'm just. I'm not out. I'm just amazed that I get to go on this ride. That I get to talk to you guys." Uh, yeah. And I think he understood that, but I told him one story that Doug told, and he's like, oh, that's not how it happened. It's this. I'm like, I wasn't there. Like, I, I'm not going to tell you he's right or you're wrong or vice versa. This is just his story. If later on in life you want me to help you write your book, sure. <laughs> he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to write a book. I'm like, Depends how well it does, man. I, that's that's I, where it'll all be dependent on. Then I'm like, then ref- it's Doug's life, and I'm just helping. I'm helping shape it. So I, I just know my friend yeah. Jack Murphy, right, who wrote his own uh, autobiography, which did really well, and wrote a number of other books, like fiction books, when um, our mutual friend, who he introduced me to, Jim West, James Smokey West, wanted Jack to write his autobiography. Jack told me, he's like, writing from someone else's voice is like the hardest thing I've ever done. He's like, I don't know if I'll do it again, you know? It is hard, and that's what she said. Sorry, I was watching the. <laughs> I was just watching the office, and I'm not. Not we're not going back to the really early days. I don't have sound bites queued up. Don't worry. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I go back and I'm like, I do make myself laugh with them, and sometimes I'm like, you know, Brandon, you should have just left that out. You, it, it didn't need a stupid sound bite there. You got to leave your chemical imbalance. The sound bites are, are cool though, and sometimes. it's also like old school what we are used to. You know. Yeah. At some point, when I mean, I'm still. I, I mean, the world's not changing. You know, I'll, I'll get a, a true setup the way I like it with sound bites and everything else and better camera and all that. But whatever. I digress. So uh, we're talking about a lot of that with Doug the last episode. And I th- I've told the Allen stories before. And again, it's nothing. I have nothing bad to say about either of them. They've both been so kind to me, uh, despite whatever issues they may have towards each other. Not my fight, you know, kind of thing. So I went up not planning to to list to record another episode until maybe the first week of January because I'm away. Yeah, in desperate times, like if Axel called me or Fernando took me up on, on my offer, I could have recorded into the internal mic. I brought my laptop with me. I could have used my my headphones with the microphone, you know, the little Apple iPod um, headphones in them, whatever. Because I thought, and I've already announced it on Twitter, because again, even though we haven't done a podcast in a couple of weeks, I always say this, Social media is where the conversation continues, at the AFD podcast. I got a yes from uh, the management, whoever's handling the tour of Wolfgang of Mammoth, WVH, and Dirty Honey, who I I thought I was never going to get. And this kind of parlays into a few things, uh, because we're going to talk about today the recent Slash interview and the recent DG Ashburn interview, which... They talked about things that I am told that I can't talk about on this podcast, and that's why I, I don't get certain guests, which is just, it's frustrating. So, you know, you're a radio guy, obviously, or, or were, however you want to look at it, you know, coin yourself. 
uh, you'll, you'll give me your your two cents on it. So this was the same person. And look, the more I talk to this guy, I won't like out his name. It doesn't need to be because at the end of the day, even though he's had to put up some brick walls, he doesn't do it. And I have he doesn't do it personally. And that's my problem. Sometimes I do take it personally. And I have to admit when I when I do which I'll get into when I took something about Tracy Guns personally, which I apologized for. So don't let me forget about the Tracy Guns thing, which I did talk about on the, I don't know if you, since you're Mr. Podcast, uh, the Nothing Lasts Forever podcast. Shout out to them. They had me on their show, uh, two podcasts, a po- another GNR podcast. Yeah, yeah, I did see something with them. Yeah. I love it because it's there's Guns and Radio, completely different than me. Uh, November Rain podcast, completely different than me. And I just love that we can all live in the same GNR universe, but they had me on to talk about, you know, a bunch of things. And I was fresh off this uh, quote unquote Tracy Guns thing, which I just had to vent and, and get off. But anyway, so this person uh, that, I, again, I won't name is the same person who canceled the Duff McKagan interview on me when he was oh, yeah. promoting tenderness. And I wrote a letter, an email, and he wrote a very nice one back even though I was just so frustrated with it and I showed it to coworkers and just like, they get it, but they don't get it kind of thing. And, you know, it's just so hyper worried about clickbait and what sites like, and even though I thank sites like Blabbermouth and Alternative Nation for otherwise, who would know about me other than like the, the, the GNR freaks? You know, it's that's how people get, that's how little people get known. I don't, I'm not uh, Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, I'm on the radio. But not as often as I used to be. I mean, I'll fill in sometimes on Q1043 as the morning producer and chime in every now and then. I've done WBAB. I've done WPDH where I'm like the idiot talking between songs. So, I mean, but I'm still, uh, I'm not famous. I get it. Like, I get it. So how does anybody get their their platform off now in today's world? Social media, right? So that's how that's how you do it. And other sites that pick you up and say, hey, check this out. But it's yeah, not for sure. But I'm not setting them up to be like, hey, here's a salacious question. Take it and run with it. But there are interviewers that have ruined it for the rest of us. It's been told to me by people who say specifically Tommy Stinson that uh, when I interviewed him the first time, like one of his reps said, there have been interviewers that say, yeah, I'm not going to talk much about Guns N' Roses and the replacements. And then that's all they want to talk about. Yeah, if you agree to that formal, you know, prior, then you got to stick with it. But yeah, I know, I know what you're saying too, and and also sometimes what you have to title the episode to get clicks. I right. deal with that on my, on my own. Right. I'll give you a recent example okay. for example, uh, an example for example. But um, <laughs> I had a guy on who, oh, if I remember, he did like some contracting type of work. But that same week, it was major news, and this is in my world. But that um, Eddie, in my world, <laughs> GNR, I was there. But uh, Eddie Gallagher, the former SEAL who was pardoned, went on some podcast and basically admitted to the illegal act, uh, this killing of this guy that he was pardoned for on a podcast. Because you could tell he got very comfortable with the host. So we spoke about it on my podcast, on Battleline Podcast. And, you know, coming from your perspective, you know how it is. If I title that episode, the guy that we're having on that week, or if I title it, Eddie Gallagher admits to unlawful killing, which is going to get more clicks. And that particular guest got mad at me. He's like, now I can't promote this because the title is this guy and I don't want to be promoting that. And it's just like, but I also got to look out for what's going to make the show um, more popular. And you got to walk that fine line. I don't want to be, 
I don't want to put anything out there that's misinformation. Right. Titling the episode Eddie Gallagher admits to unlawful killing. That's actually what he did. I'm not I'm not titling something that didn't happen, you know. So You're you're absolutely right and I think that's a great example because on this podcast I don't think anybody has come close to admitting murder. Drug use? <laughs> and yeah. it wasn't on and that's the thing, it wasn't on our podcast. That I'm commenting on another podcast. I got it. You know what I mean? I see. But the point is I see. more people want to hear about that. That's big news than want to hear I about see. who we're interviewing that particular week. And I'll you know, I'll put that semicolon, this guy that we're having on. But I just, you know, you know in your head what is gonna get the lessons if Slash says something crazy. Yeah, that's what people want to hear. If Axel says something that's out there, yeah, that's that's what we want to hear about. I, I I totally get that, and I see that, and I like to think that I ride on the line of caution more often than not. That I don't have. I, you look at my titles; they're cor- they're they're punny, they're, or they're just puns. I don't know if they're punny, but they're playing words. They're not clickbaity, you know, unless it's just kind of like a matter of fact, like. Josh Freeze quits Guns N' Roses, you know. That's the thing. If you had a bombshell, you're going to title. You have to. (laughs) Right. But again, it's to me, that's not even like such a bomb because it's Josh Freeze. He quit Guns N' Roses years ago. No, but I mean, if you had a bombshell, if if you had a major, you know, actually, you know, maybe you couldn't title it this. But when Duff's wife came on and said, like, there's new music, if you can title it that she says there's new music. You know yeah, what? You know that's you read class. my mind. This is why you know, even though you're former co-host, you're still going to be co-host <laughs> of my heart forever. So, because I'm actually googling that right now, because I think, and this is what I do, just to show you, is a perfect example. I just want to make sure I remember it uh, correctly, so I don't misquote my own title. Yep, Susan Holmes McKagan talks books, as I, my voice cracks, family, and new GNR. Third. Yeah. Third. Third. So I prioritize. <laughs> but you still got to put it in there. I prioritized what she was promoting, her lovely family, and then new GNR. So that is the worst it, that I get. If it didn't bother her, though, would you title it, if you knew it was okay, Su- uh, what, what is it again, by the way? Susan Holmes McKagan, right? Yes, yes. Susan Holmes McKagan says there is new GNR. Like, you know that'll get more clicks. And I did, we changed something, and I will always credit, people hate on Alternative Nation and Brett Buchanan, but when we did an interview with uh, Bobby Brown, not, you know, the... Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not, not the, uh, my prerogative, but, you know, the uh, the Warren Cherry Pie uh, girl, woman. She was upset with the clickbait, and I had to apologize, and then loop Brett into it, and he apologized. He changed his title of his his article, because he's, he's clickbait. He knows that's how he yeah. makes his money. He knows that. that. That's the thing. See, I and I don't know Brett. I know you work with him, but like, yeah, he is clickbait. I don't. I don't think I am, but I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with what people will click on. But I don't want to miss. I don't want to mislead people at the same time. But I know, and he does. But he knows it. But he will always change it if asked. So at least like that's kind of my loophole to be like, all right. You know, you didn't create this monster. You're just living Dude, in this world. Dude, you know world. what this reminds me of that was in the news just recently? Did you see the whole thing uh, with uh, John Stewart that was trending on Twitter? Parts of it, but I didn't really deep dive into it. So I'll just tell you this one real quickly, but this is the exact same type of thing. John Stewart jokingly talked about uh, Harry Potter and how, like, some of the stuff involved Jewish stereotypes. 
And I didn't listen to the podcast, but in his explanation about it, he's like, if you were listening to the podcast, you could clearly hear I was joking. There was nothing serious about what I was saying. And then Newsweek put out an article that said, like, John Stewart bashes J.K. Rowling yeah. for using Jewish stereotypes. I saw those and headlines. He came out there, yeah, and says, like, it was clearly a joke. Right. And he goes, and I just want to tell these people, like, your business model sucks, that this is how you have to get clicks. Like, you have to just make stuff up. Yes. I, I complete. That's he is a brilliant man. I know. I, I know some people might disagree with some of his political stuff, but I mean, I just think like he explains things and he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. And that's why I don't fault this person for at this time, even though it's still, you know, it hurts. I can't help it. Not just as an interviewer, but as a fan of Duff McKagan and Guns N' Roses, I can't help it. It hurts until it, you know, if it happens, interview him. I can't fault for the error on the side of caution. Same thing, and I put it out today. I'm putting out this this episode the same day we, we record it. I had to take something out of an Adrian Smith interview that I did last year. And I figured it's almost a year. Iron, Smith, Iron Maiden has nothing going on. Fuck it. I haven't done an episode in two weeks. And I asked, it's little, a clip is like a minute something long about, you know, I, him talking about, you know, Axel didn't like uh, GNR opening for Iron Maiden, I guess, back in uh, 88, but it all worked out in the end for both bands. So, who ca- you know, it's kind of like, so who cares? You know, everyone's happy, yeah. so who cares? And I didn't want, I'm like, because again, I, who am I? I don't want to start burning bridges and, and this isn't my hill to die on. But today, I'm like, you know what? It's been almost a year. It's not that bad. I'm going to put it out because it's not my fault that clickbait is out there. And I understand yeah. that. So here's the thing. And that's why I couldn't get with, uh, I thought maybe I was going to get Dirty Honey um, and and uh, Wolfgang, the first episode. And look, this is just a set of expectations. It's one of those shorter interviews, which happens because it's, uh, it's meant for morning radio. But I've been kind of coached to, even if they bring up Guns or even though they both toured with Guns N' Roses, they kind of not, <laughs> Go down that route because of what that kind of clickbait that is not just in rock journalism. It's political, obviously. It's been going on since, you know, but, you, but well before you and I were born. And it, it bothers me. And I think that's why my BA is in broadcast journalism and why I was so turned off to journalism in general and why, yeah, I was looking to be a reporter. I, I, I interned at News 12 Long Island. I applied for a job at NY1 News and I just got so turned off by this clickbait. I'm like, just let the story be the story. And that's yeah. it. So that's that's how I am. But at the same time, but I, the problem the yeah. problem is also just like us as the consumer. If yeah, uh, and uh, I mentioned Jack Murphy already, but I remember him. He you know because he does war reporting and and foreign policy, and so I just I remember him talking about this with me, and also just a guy I did podcasts with for, for so many years. But I remember him going on like a really passionate tirade, I guess you would say, where he was like, "Don't tell me this isn't what you guys want to see," because you click on this. You guys click on this every right. time. Uh-huh. So, you know, he was like, I can write a really well-researched piece about what's going on in China and, like, have work cited. And he's like, and then I could write a piece about some douchebag dressed as an army ranger at the mall and stolen valor. And he's like, I know that's what's going to get the clicks. That's what you guys click on. So don't tell me this isn't what you guys like. And you and he is 100% right, too. And therein lies the, just the, the catch-22 or whatever. It's the frustration and when I see the comments on Blabbermouth or Ultimate Classic Rock and just the idiots out there, I'm just like, I'm a part of the these idiots. So I just try <laughs> to do my own personal, like, you know, my, my fiance, this is my own way of doing it. My fiance composts and recycles and 
I'm a, I'm a an asshole. I never did that before her. I'm just like, the world's too big. But she's like, I got to do it. I got to do it for my own, you know, uh, you know, for my own sanity to make sure I'm doing my part in the world and hopefully other agree, people do. Yeah. So I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to sound preachy here, but at the same time, this method, whether it's the fault of the websites, it's the fault of the consumer, it's... It's prevented really awesome interviews from happening. I, you know, I posted some clips on YouTube. Uh, in between the break, if you haven't subscribed on our YouTube yet, please do so because uh, almost daily I've been adding old awesome just like clips. You know, like the ones that Ian and I have done, things that you haven't heard in a while. And I was kind of reliving like ones like with Brain and just like really fun yeah. ones that we did. But no, I saw like Darren. Mil- I, I wasn't on with Brain, but like oh, Darren right. Miller. So we put some of that up. I got a. You know what? I got to cut that one. I've been meaning to. I don't know if I I have cut that one. Or did I? He's, or, he's great, too. That no. was actually one of the last concerts I saw before the whole pandemic. Okay. Actually, the same night uh, Kobe Bryant died, believe it or not. That was, I saw uh, 96 Better Beings in Queens. Oh, man. And yeah, they're, they're doing great stuff. But yeah, I remember like that interview. Some of that is up there. So I... Yeah, so I, I want to put... I put a lot of things up. And I as I'm cutting up actually a Frank Ferrer interview, and kind of was almost crying to myself like is this the last current Guns N' Roses member I'm ever going to interview because of just like the fallout that I heard about and it's the same stuff so it's not just Team Brazil that puts up these roadblocks it's not it, it just it's not so I don't want them that's why I've always said I don't say bad things about them I don't know them I don't fault them I just want a line of communication because I saw some troll out there saying that I badmouthed uh, Team Brazil show me that please I would like to apologize for it if I did which I didn't, but this is what I'm saying now is just, it's a tactic and I, I understand that tactic. And, but at the end of the day, I just, I want to be able to just have all these, you know, 300 plus episodes, have enough cachet where I could talk to, you know, I have good relationships with people like Todd Kearns, you know, who knows slash have good relationships with Susan Holmes McKagan, who obviously, you know, married to Duff to be like, okay, this guy, Brandon, he, you something is going to be benefited from this interview because of the mental health stuff that I talk about, uh, the, how I really care about the person who I'm interviewing. Because I will, I I will say, and maybe this isn't the best thing to do. I don't know if this. Uh, our former buddy Art Devana used to criticize me about this. <laughs> uh, that I will offer. Hey, if you say anything on the show that you're not comfortable saying, I will take it out. This isn't a live show. This isn't a gotcha. You know if. if that's the only thing that bothered me, though, about the Iron Maiden when I had to take out the Adrian Smith. I mean, the management sees the schedule. You see Appetite for Distortion. What are you doing? I, I, Yeah, I had to take out something recently out of a show that, like, I thought was a great line. And, you know, you tell people that you'll do it, and I always do, but it's just I hate it. Like, I know. I had a guest on who had a funny line that we were talking about, like, how the VA pays, like, these small checks. And uh, he was like, yeah, it's enough to pay for uh, for my weed. And then he told me, he goes, can you take that out? Like, I don't want to be a target for, but, and I get it, but it's like, yes. oh, it was a funny line, dude. I want to keep it in there. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And sometimes, <laughs> but when in doubt, leave it out. I was told that by uh, a program director of mine. At WB- I only leave it out if asked. I mean, if. if. I, if right. No, I do. I, I did it once for uh, Eric and just like for separate things. I did it for once for uh, Eric Valentine, who was the producer for Slash's first solo record with all the singles. And he also produced some uh, Gwen Stefani stuff. He did a Gwen Stefani Christmas album. And he said, he mentioned it. He's like, I wasn't supposed to mention that yet. And I'm like, okay, sure. 
you know, whatever. Oh, or, yeah, that's understandable. You know, that, that's fine. Or when I interviewed Jerry Cantrell, they said, you know what, can you put this in the can for your few weeks until a single comes out? Sure. But again, I took out the Adrian Smith thing, uh, Adrian Smith thing and uh, I, I even took out something that London Hudson said, even though that got clickbait, despite like me trying to the best situation for a 15-year-old to do it. And that had to be improved by Slash and Perla. So I do it the best, and they had an adult on the phone also. Uh, I did it the best situation, and I, that's what I've been trying to do. So I'm just, whatever it is, you know, I was just so happy that this person who, it was years ago that the Duff McKagan cancellation happened, that this person also works with Dirty Honey. And I couldn't get them through my job because they were too close, close to Slash at that time. And he, again, just the clickbait thing. And I'm like, it's not that I'm going to focus on Guns N' Roses. Like, I, that's always something that I, I, if I can convey that, if I, if I give them the right episode as an example, like it's, otherwise I'm just a person with a podcast, which is a million of, but Appetite for Distortion just separates me. Battle Lines of Podcast, it's like you have your hook, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's something. I think that's a little bit more specific too, because if I was just a rock podcast, there's so many of them, so many metal podcasts, like, like at that point. I don't know. I would be sick of it. So I like this the the GNR hook to it, and I like the way that, you know, we've done it. I we we started a little bit at the beginning, Ian, where we yeah we did a whole episode comparing November Rain to Estranged, really nerding out. But then you know we we kind of deviate, and I I think that's great. I love being able to do that. So, whatever. I I I did ask like, hey, can I ask one question to GNR question to to Mark and to. Into Wolfgang, uh, do you have to? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> all right. If you really don't want me to, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Okay. Yeah, it's so, it's usually being overprotective because they're not the ones who are going to worry and this about. Person, it. I've had so yeah. many situations like that. It's serious. Where, yeah, they're, he, they're worried if you ask about something, but it's usually not the artist themselves. And then I felt bad for the guy. Actually, it's like you know what? Then I I had to take the emotion out of it. I know I got to be the bad guy. And then I also know, and I've heard this from other reps. That there are people in my position that will will scream and yell and get mad and get angry. <laughs> I will get frustrated, but I will not yell at you. I will not call you names again un- unless you're malicious to me. That's just not the kind of person I am. I don't, I, you know, I I react maliciously, which I try not to. I try to be a bigger person now, but unless you like, go out of your way to be mean to me, that's not something that I I do. So that ended up being postponed. It was supposed to be this past uh, Friday. So what? It would, that would be uh, the the seventh, and it ended up being postponed. I, I I don't know why yet, but that should be rescheduled. So I really look forward to talking to Wolfgang Van Halen and, and Mark from Dirty Honey to be able to be given that opportunity. And I've said this to Bumblehead, uh, Bumblehead, Bumblefoot, Bumblehead. <laughs> you know what? At the end of the day. I'm having you on my podcast. My fan base is going to want to hear from you uh, anyway, regardless of whether or not I ask Guns Roses question. So yeah. that's okay, and hopefully it leads to more and more trust. How, but, and this will lead to the big thing, and again, we're going to get into the DJ and, and the, the Slash interviews, the big stuff. But again, this is the first episode of the year, so there's, there's a lot to talk about. We've been I've been off for a couple of weeks. Could have been a lot longer. So as I'm in Chicago... Uh, you know, I did some GNR tours. I saw last time I was there, I went to the pinball machine place. Uh, I actually have the the thing he gave yeah, me. Yeah, I remember you showed me that. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, how how did you like playing the actual game? He, I wanted to watch it. I want to watch somebody else play it. That's the problem. Oh, you you didn't get to play it? No, 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 no. I I, I played it. If they have one, okay. But I find myself because there's so much going on. 
to wanting to watch it to not wanting oh, yeah. to play it because at the end of the day pinball is and, and no offense it's a major industry it's just paddles you know like i i don't know it's like, fun though i like it it, it is fun <laughs> like I, I love playing the i'm trying to think actually have i played the original gnr i think i did it one time i'm I'm trying to remember if I have actually. I I don't think that I have. But at the end of the day, because I, I know I've played the Kiss pinballs. Okay. I, you know, there's a place in Delray Beach, Florida, uh, on uh, Atlantic Avenue, and I love that whole area. But yeah, they have a pinball, huge pinball arcade, and yeah, they have the Iron Maiden, Metallica, okay. both Kisses, Ted Nugent pinball, which I didn't even know exists. I didn't either. They have a ton of different, um, and then everything else. But those were the big music ones. I'm surprised it wasn't like the Ted Nugent buck shooting. You know those those games that they have. No, but there are like guns all over the of pinball. Course it's you know typical Ted Nugent. But uh, yeah, it's they, there's just a ton of them at this place, and they all also have like all the different sports pinball games. But it's really cool to see them. I don't think they have Guns and Roses. I, so I don't know if I've. I feel like I'd remember if I played the original Guns N' Roses pinball, and I don't think I have. Huh. I don't think so. I'm weird when it comes to video games. I don't play them now. I did when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I, I still have my heart on you know Bubble Bobble and Mario Kart. I loved all the wrestling games. Uh, Madden's R.I.P. John I still Madden. Play Mario Golf 64. That's the like the only game I play. Nice, nice. Uh, but when it got to like PlayStation Two and stuff. I know it's so funny, like how all that is now. Like, because I, I just keep thinking back to Resident Evil Two, uh, which is one of the best games also ever. I loved watching people. I loved it was like a movie to me. So I found that you know just because of all the the stuff going on on the screen within this new not in this lifetime pinball, to just really want. I'm like Shauna, you play it. I just want to watch this. This is just awesome. And it was cool. And also there they had the guy who was like the, the maker of the Adams Family pinball, which I think is the most successful pinball of all time, the Adams Family one. It was really cool. So this time around, the only Guns N' Roses related thing is I, for the second time, I went to Chicago Tattoo. And I really influenced my, my fiance bad. She only had one little tattoo behind her ear when we, when we met. <laughs> now she's got a few on her arms. So I was like, you know what? With this podcast, yeah, I have the one Guns N' Roses tattoo on my left shoulder blade of the boy writing in the book from User Illusion 1. At some point in my life, I kind of want to get a November Rain motif on my cross my shoulder blades, get the other User Illusion boy from 2 outlined in blue on my right shoulder blade. Uh, but I'm not like walking around with my shirt off. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a dude, bro. I'm from, I'm, you know, yeah, I was kind of raised on Long Island, but I'm not a dude, bro, doing that. <laughs> I also don't have the body for it. So I was like, you know what? I have a spot like maybe maybe there really is a cool Guns N' Roses tattoo that I can get but I don't want to just get the words Guns N' Roses I don't want to get lyrics and it's no I I love there's so many great artwork out there it's just not my personal style I want to get something that looks like a piece of art that could be hung up just like User Illusion which is it literally is a piece of art it was made by Raphael which we all know School of Athens before Guns N' Roses same thing with Appetite for Destruction now I didn't. The cross itself is not. Everybody has the the axle cross. It's you know me also me being a Jew. I don't know if I would get a cross. That's just that would be yeah. confusing. So I'm looking at the original, the actual appetite for destruction painting by Robert Williams. The controversial one we all know that stores wouldn't carry it. They had to put it on the inside pocket, inside sleeve lit, whatever you want to call it. And 
I didn't want to be the big red guy. I'm like, that's really intense because I'm also going for a couple hours. I'm not going for a, like a six-hour sh- session. I'm not going for eight hours. I want to get like a two-hour tattoo. And I'm looking at that robot. And I'm looking at my arm. I'm like, you know, it's kind of hard looking. But I'm like, and I'll, I'll be flat out. It's like the robot, if you look at the painting, raped a girl that was selling robots. And then you see that giant red monster with like the knife teeth coming at him to, to kill him. But everyone's familiar with the robot. You, when I just showed you now, you were like, you associated that with Night Train. That's how they yeah. sell the Night Train they membership. Yeah. They, use, they use it a lot. So they actually put the um, a Night Train beer bottle or a wine bottle in the robot's hand for Night Train. So when I, I eventually asked for the tattoo, I guess I don't do it without the beer bottle. For Father's Day, they had that robot using a grill. Uh, so they, they've cartooned that robot. But I was like... I said to this to my my fiance. I'm like, look at this picture. Is this offensive? Am I getting a ra- am I getting a rape robot on me for the rest of my life? I don't know if I could do that. So that's why I posted on social media that you know should I get this tattoo? The the pos- the responses were like 95 percent positive. There were a couple saying of like, of course. But I wasn't sure in this today's world. I don't know. There were a couple people like, eh, I wouldn't get that. That the robot is the assailant in that. But I'm like, I was getting it from you know female listeners. Everyone, it was just not nothing deterred me from that. I'm like, okay, I would have gotten a lot of social media backlash if this was going to be a problem. However, I still went out of my way. I did the extra step by asking my fiance's uh, sister, who's like, uh, she's a social worker, super feminist. You know, she just everything. You know, she's a great person, but but she would tell me if this was offensive. And I was like, I look at it. She's like, so you're going to get the rape robot? I'm like, just read up on it a little bit. Because at first, she's, I'm like, yeah, your first reaction. I want you to have that first reaction. Read up on it and just tell me what you think. And she's reading yeah, up on it. Yeah, but if she just saw it and, and didn't know GNR, she would just be like, oh, right. it's a robot. Exactly. She's like, are you getting the woman tattooed on you? No. She's like, who cares? That's awesome. She's like, that's yeah. all. I'm like, all right, then there we go. There we go. So I just thought that was kind of funny. So, and by the way, my fiance, she got, uh, she just got a bow. Like your bow you put in your hair tattooed on the inside of her uh, her bicep. And as soon as I said, oh, look, a bow flex, she's like, ah, oh, because he wasn't sure she was going to get it. And I was saying, like, if you put it on your bicep, it will be a bow flex. Now she's like, oh, now I got it. She's like, it's like a nice blue bow on the inside of her, her bicep. So, okay. So Chicago trip was, uh, was great. Uh, we were going to, we were probably going to stay for a, uh, she was up there earlier because she's a dance teacher. And by the way, Zola has a point to it. You know, and I'm sorry if some people, whatever. I've been off for two weeks. I need to, I need to talk and lead up to this. So she went up a week earlier because she's a dance teacher and they get two weeks off. I didn't. That's when I was covering for Q1043 in the morning, uh, producing and being able to talk about the podcast on the air, on the airwaves in New York City, which is awesome. And so I decided to drive up uh, because if, if for those who don't know, who don't haven't listened to all 323 or 24 episodes, whatever this is. Uh, 23. See, I, I, keep, I forget already. Uh, that I have a disability. I have demyelinating peripheral neuropathy, where leg braces. I have. I walk with a cane. I use hand controls when I drive. Uh, I, I walk with a limp. Most people just think I'm. I've gotten this without going down too far of a rabbit hole. People think I. Huh, I walk like a certain ethnic group. Like some people just think I'm. I, I, I've been quote been told like it looks like you're walking black. Or some people always see me with the cane and they just think it's part of my shtick, like I'm some sort of pimp. Because they don't usually see like a 30-year-old Jew with tattoos with a cane. You know, it's just like it's not it, – they just think it's part of my, my shtick. I'm like, no, I'm really handicapped. So I, I'm just uncomfortable taking a plane by myself. 
carrying stuff, going through security, all that. I'm just with the anxiety of it on top of that with my normal anxiety. I'm like, you know what? I've been waking up for two weeks straight for the morning show at three in the morning. I'm just going to wake up ass or I'm just going to wake up my natural body clock is going to wake me up early and just drive. I did. I was on the road by four or five a.m. Made it to Chicago by four or five, you know, five p.m. And I'm telling you, as a podcast person, I I only talk. I only do a podcast. I love listening to Guns N' Roses the whole way within my the mix of my my own playlist. It was just the easiest thirteen hour drive if it could be one. And I got again. I left early enough. It was just it was great for a thirteen hour drive. And again, that's when I got there. We got the tattoo, you know, uh, tattoos, and we're. We were going to stay uh, until the next that Saturday, but she wanted to go to work, and I thought I had to be home for the Wolfgang Van Halen interview uh, because I wanted to record that properly, and then that ended up being postponed. So, like, you know what? Let's leave Thursday. We thought we were going to beat the snow. That's where the problem comes in and why I'm lucky to be here today and just, I guess, maybe taking advantage of this podcast. So she drove, like, the first half of it, you know, uh, which I'm usually the driver, but she was kind because she knew I drove the whole way up. And it just got to a point where it started snowing when we hit Pennsylvania. And she's like, can you drive? I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, at this point. I've driven in snow before. I did uh, trips from, you know, Long Island or Brooklyn up to my radio station at the time, WPDH in Poughkeepsie. So I would drive. People are familiar with the Taconic State Parkway and the Hutch. I've driven through Hurricane Irene. I've driven through blizzards. I've driven through some bad shit. Not to say that I haven't gotten to some accidents also, but I've driven through some bad shit. And I was doing well, man. You know, there are parts of me. I was just doing well. And there were parts where I'm just like, I just want to get home. Then maybe I should have went maybe a little slower than I should have, but I was fine. But there was this one part, this car ahead of me just didn't have hazards on. So it came up closer than I thought it was going to like, you know, it came up quicker than I thought it was going to come up because I wasn't, you can't, you couldn't speed on that ice. Like, you just couldn't. So, I mean, but obviously I was going faster than I would have liked to. I know he gets to tap the brake, not to slam on it because there's ice, you spin. But even that tap, man, that tap spun me out. I was like a Guns N' Roses pinball. Bam, bam, bam. We're facing the other way. I'm where I'm against the railing, facing the other way on the highway. So my my driver's side is pinned to the railing. So we're like on the you know the driver, the right side of the road. It, it's it's crazy. Uh, all the airbags went off. Uh, I check her. She's freaking out. Obviously, she's thankfully okay. I see. I'm checking my mouth. My mouth is bleeding. You know, because I, I the one the other time I experienced like an airbag going off, I thought I, I broke my nose. But that's just like if you've experienced it before, it just obviously it comes out with force. You know, so she has some light bruising from the airbags. Other than that, she's fine. Thank God. Uh, so with me, the airbag broke my glasses in half. The one you're seeing right now, Ian, is my backup pair, which thankfully is the same prescription. Uh, my lip, I looked like Bubba Gump. It was just like, oh my God. It was the fattest. I I don't know. I looked like somebody, if, if you look at uh, National Geogra- Geographic and you see those tribes where they put those discs in the bottom of their mouth. That's what I looked like. And then I smile, and then I see my tooth chipped, where I look like Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. I look like Jim Carrey. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and I'm checking. Everything else is fine. You know, we call the police, EMS. I I wasn't sure if I needed stitches. We do go to the hospital. I didn't need stitches. Uh, it eventually, the biggest thing was, like, my lip was just not stop bleeding, but I'm not on blood thinners or anything. I, and by the way, again, I'll promise to go back to Guns N' Roses. Uh 
it was just it was horrifying. It was just horrifying. You know, I, I probably would have still done the interview with Wolfgang, you know, on zero hours of sleep, you know, with a fat lip and everything and not pass that up. But I'm glad that was postponed. Um but yeah, man, it was just uh it was horrifying. We eventually obviously got back home with you know, renting a car, all of that. My mom has been great with helping us out with the uh, you know, going through all all the insurance bullshit we gotta do. And uh and yeah, man. So I, I don't know if anybody you said you haven't heard when we were talking before recording and if anybody has heard me sound like my Titan, I don't know if I sound like that this episode. It's because no, I not at all. All right, good. Because I'm again I'm missing a tooth. Uh, I was worried about talking this much with the chap lip. You know, or it, it just looks like a busted. Now it just looks like a busted lip. Uh, my fiance said she, she's like, it just looks like you haven't, you know, you have really bad chap lips this morning. Whereas before, it just looked like like I was a zombie. It was just it was horrendous. So you know, I'm, I am getting better. Like uh, thank God. But I guess you're, you know, what it got me thinking. And uh, you're the right person to ask. What do you think? Like Vince Neil has just dealt with the rest of his life, getting into a car accident with uh with Razzle and killing somebody. That's what my yeah, my but he mo- was completely unscathed. I know. Man, I wasn't. So. You know. I wasn't. You know. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't high. I wasn't any of that. I know. I know. He was under the influence. And same thing. Another example was with with, with Slash. I know it wasn't driving, but it was. You know, Todd Crew and some people just like you're you're involved with somebody who who died who sh- you didn't want to die, and just how that affects you for the rest of your life and. What could that could do? And, and I, you know, do I blame Vince? Yeah, I can't say that's all pinned on how Vince Neil may act. But, I mean, my God, to live with that burden for the rest of your life. I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine if I did something, if something happened to her. Uh, it's yeah. It just it was just horrifying. So I'm just glad to be here and talk to you, talk to you guys. You know, I, I posted something on Twitter. Thank you for all the kind words uh, for people who responded. Because I just wanted to let you guys know, because I usually do an episode a week. Uh, but obviously I needed to take a few extra days to, to record, uh, the kickoff of 2022 uh, for this one. And, uh, and yeah, I think you're brought up to speed with everything before we get into the actual meat of everything. Let's yeah, see. no, glad you're okay, man. Yeah. So, uh, craziness. We'll see when I get my tooth back. Um, I, I am testing it out just with zoom with you, Ian. Again, this is just gonna be audio only version. Which you still can get on YouTube. There'll be a uh, a pre toothless picture of me or a half tooth, whatever. Maybe I should have put put a that should be the picture. I'll make that on YouTube. Maybe just a uh, Lloyd Christmas. Maybe that'll be just the picture. Of, that's what people will imagine. Whatever. But you can still find this episode on YouTube. But it won't be a Zoom watched uh, episode. But the next episode, which I will tell you now, in case if I forget, uh, we're gonna have back on for a third time, Arian Bueller who is an amazing designer. You are probably familiar with his work for Guns N' Roses. Done so many of the lithographs. If you have watched my um, Zoom interviews, you know I have the Hawaii lithograph behind me, the, the skeleton hula girl. Uh, I also got, he did that one. He did, I, he did just like so many of the Mexico ones. If you go on litherati.com, which cat, uh, categorizes all of them, catalogs all of them, was probably the better word. You could see all the work that Arian Bueller did. He also was nominated for a Grammy for the box set that Guns N' Roses did. He also did the Shadow of Your Love video. I mean, he works with Bob Marley's estate. He works with uh, the Rolling Stones. So there's a lot of great stories in the first three episodes that we did. But the fourth episode is going to be on Zoom where we get to look into his studio. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm going to I'm testing out Zoom now where I can hide my face kind of behind my mic so I don't feel as self-conscious 
uh, about it. So look forward to that. Um, so, but it's going to be, I just don't know. I sent out some episode, uh, some interview request today. I also just wanted to, I was just kind of slacking. I was working Doug's book a lot in Chicago. So I got to catch up. Uh, I know a lot of you are catching up and listening to the podcast, but I got to catch up on my end too. So that's my little, you know, transparency, fourth wall, everything that's going on in the world, the appetite for distortion and Brandon slash Brando and whatever. So, uh, so yeah, Ian, I missed all of that. It didn't stop me from tweeting about Guns N' Roses or talking about Guns N' Roses on Facebook or Instagram on, you know, uh, Twitter. That So which one do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about the DJ Ashba interview first since you heard that one? Yeah, if you want, because the thing with the Slash interview, from what I saw, okay. I think the only place you could find the full interview is in the magazine itself, right? Have you read the entire the interview in its entirety? I've just seen different parts here and there. I, I read some of the transcriptions, kind of like glossing over it. I, I'm not. But that's what I mean. Have you seen a full transcription? Because I haven't. Uh, it's it's from Classic Rock magazine, so I mean. But I think you need to have the physical magazine, from what I've seen. I could be wrong. I don't think so. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, then I haven't seen it. The the Ashba interview, I listen to Eddie Trunk almost every day. So Eddie Trunk, I happened to be in my car. I didn't even know Ashba was coming on. And uh, I heard the entire interview pretty much. And I didn't. Ex- I was actually going to text you to tell you that he was talking a lot of GNR because I expected him to talk, I don't know, five, ten minutes of Guns N' Roses. But there was a good, like, 30 minutes of Guns N' Roses talk in there because he came over Eddie's house. See, and, and Eddie, you know what? He deserves that, and I'm grateful for him for coming on my podcast. And I know because a lot of people have opinions about Eddie, but you know what? He's a tra- he's a trailblazer, whether you want to or not, like want to admit it or not. He he really is is flat uh flown that heavy metal flag high. I know he, he may be stuck in the '80s or whatever, but he's just a you know he's a local legend for us. He's just a I think the met, that metal show was great. It was corny at times, but I, it was of course. But I'm corny at times. Great. So I, but he's also he's like a true nerd for this music because I sometimes talk to p- friends who work yeah, in rock radio. Yeah, sure. And behind the scenes, they'll be like, "Eh, I'm not really that into this anymore." But you know, that's the gig they have. Like, right. he still, it gets when he gets passionate. Like he says it all the time. Like this is not fake. Like when someone calls and they are like, "Eddie, what's going on with uh, sticks?" And, like and he gets furious about it because he's like, if you're a fan, why don't you go to the Facebook? Like, go see them. Like, he really is passionate about it. And I think so. that's why I admire him in that respect because that's how I am. I'm just passionate about it. There's no bullshit. I'll tell you when yeah. I don't know something. Uh, I I will I, I wear all my flaws on my sleeve now along with my my robot tattoo. So. Uh, I can understand why I've never heard back from DG Ashba. And why DJ Ashwell will go over Eddie Trunk's house. It's just one of those things where does DJ doesn't do a lot of interviews, but it's kind of like what Bumblefoot avoids. It's like people want to talk to you about Guns N' Roses. But it's not Eddie Trunk's fault that people are picking up, you know, if you want to call it clickbait of it it's, you know, DJ saying I, I wrote uh you know, eight to ten songs for Guns N' Roses or why I bowed out of Guns N' Roses and people were uh, writing angrily saying, you know, who is DJ and, you know, to do... We have to read through the lines and listen to the interview. So you you tell me, since I didn't hear it, I only read it. What did you think okay. about it? 
So, say that again. What did I? Oh yeah. So what did you think about the interview? Since you heard it and I only read it, tell me what your thoughts. Yeah, on I it. thought it was a really good interview, and I thought he had a lot of like interesting insight. I, you know, I felt like he answered things honestly, as far as I know. I mean, we don't know exactly what goes on behind the scenes, but he had like complimentary things to say. How he said Axel is an extremely loyal guy, uh, that he has his guard up a little bit, but like once you get to know him, if if he likes you and he respects you, like he's going to be loyal with you till the end. Um, you know, and then he was candid about other things. And I'll be honest, it did feel like Eddie dissed him a little bit in that he has his new EDM uh, guitar stuff out which he's calling, I think he said GDM, like guitar dance music. Okay. And uh, I could tell DJ wanted uh, Eddie to play one of his new songs. And Eddie made some comment where he was like, well, my audience is going to kill me if I play like any EDM. But, you know, I mean, that's also partially Eddie. Eddie is very, uh, unlike me, for example, Eddie only listens to rock music. Right, his, right. his mind is just on that. And I've listened to... Uh, Ashba's new stuff and although it's not something that I'm like oh this is amazing like gung-ho about it's it's cool I I dig it and and I think some of uh, Eddie's audience would have dug it and I think it's cool that he's doing new experimental things I agree with that look I'm not like a diehard DJ Ashba fan but I'm also not one of these people who uh bashes him all the time I I respect him like you know trying out new territory I agree I, I agree with everything you said uh, this quote, though, is interesting, and maybe you can help me put it in perspective since you heard it in, in full context. Uh, he said, I've never been great at playing other people's stuff. It's never been my thing. I mean, then why are you in, why were you in Guns N' Roses? So that's how that goes through my mind. I remember him saying that, but also keep in mind, I mean, I think his favorite thing is to do the writing for 6 a.m., and, and I think he is primarily a songwriter because for those who don't know, who don't nerd out and look at the liner notes of things, like that last Motley Crue album was pretty much like a 6 a.m. album in terms of the writing. The writing with those guys in 6 a.m., like Tommy Lee and Mick Mars and Vince Neil did very little of the writing. I think Tommy Lee had like one or two songwriting credits, Mick Mars one or two, and the Rex were all DJ AM and Nikki Six and that other guy, Michael, the other uh, member, James Ma- last name. I think it's James Michael, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, I just don't remember. So James Michael, um, yeah, they wrote the album primarily, but... Also, when you say, why are you in Guns N' Roses? I mean, look, if you get offered the gig, who's going to turn down being in Guns N' Roses? And and he seemed very appreciative. Uh, he was like, there's no greater fan base. Love them. You know, so he was definitely, uh, to me, a little bit the opposite of Bumblefoot. I feel like Bumblefoot doesn't put that out there that he appreciates, like, the fan base and being a, a part of this, like, great band. DJ Ashford seems very appreciative of that. Yeah, uh, I agree with that as well. Um, I think Bumble, I don't think he, he doesn't, I think he, he does appreciate the fans. If you talk to anybody who's ever met them, including myself, I think he's just so bitter about that situation where if he submitted songs, just like DJ did, 8 to 10, like, yeah, I can play other people's stuff in hopes of creating new stuff. It seems like Bumble didn't take it as great as DJ did. But he continues, and this is where I'm a little confused, and maybe... It, and, and can I just throw out there, though? Yeah. Like, if you join Guns N' Roses, you know that they took how long? Was I it know. 15 years? Like, how long is it? I don't even remember. Yeah, I know. You, you got to know... You got to do some research on the girl that you're dating, you man. You gotta, <laughs> yeah, like you, you, yeah, exactly. You could be hopeful that they're going to put out new material, but you know how long it took. You can't... 
you know, you can't hold your breath for it. Yeah, no, because you'll you'll die. Uh, <laughs> so he, he he continues Ashbro in the interview saying, you know, but if Slash was coming back, that was the best best of both worlds. So it was like, fuck, we'll get the most out of the most of the band back. Uh, I can go, I can go do what I want to do. So it worked out great. I backed out, bowed out, I should say. And I think Richard was the guy for that slot anyway. That was more of a Richard role, I think. He fits that way better than I would have. So my question here is... And, and can I just throw out there, because yeah. I don't know if it's in the excerpt, but th then he also said at that point in the interview, at some point, he said that most of the parts that I learned mm -hmm. are Slash's parts. And he goes, if I was to learn the parts that were Izzy or that were... Um, why am I drawing a blank here on, uh, <laughs> uh, well, actually it was Izzy on Use Your Illusion, but yeah. I'm thinking of who replaced Izzy and I'm drawing a blank. Gilby Clark? <laughs> Gilby Clark? Gilby Clark, yeah, yeah. But basically what DJ Ash was said, and I can't believe I'm forgetting Gilby Clark's name. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not, I'm not a poser, but. <laughs> well, you know um, you're not. You're, you're not hosting this podcast with me every day, so you're good. Yeah, I just forget sometimes. But, um, and, he, and I also forget, like, yeah, he didn't technically play on Usual Illusions. He, I mean, he played on the tour. I mean, but, think about it. They um, all are Izzy parts, really. I mean, you think. Yeah. So what DJ Ashba said, though, is that if I were to have to learn the parts that weren't slashes, basically, he's like, it would be so hard because he goes night after night of playing these parts. It's basically basically muscle memory. He's like, I'd have to learn an entirely new way of playing the same song. And I could see that being a problem. And I could totally understand that as well. For You know, you think of like. Even just us with radio, you know, with when you're at a station for so long, you might say like the call letters, you might say the, mm -hmm. the number, but I couldn't imagine playing like a 25 song set and every song has to be played in a different style after you've done it for however long he was in the band. I think like six years, seven years, however long. Yeah. When I read that quote too, I, it made it seem like I got it. I completely got it. But here's my, I guess my question where he's talking to Richard saying that he was the guy for that slot. So that mean there was only one slot available that it was going to be Richard or DJ or were they going to go through a, a three attack or is it going to be Richard, DJ and Slash? That's what I would think, though, the, the last thing you said. And, and the thing is, even though that might sound crazy, we all know that like. Axel doesn't have a problem with having a very large band. Right. Like we know. And previously, Guns N' Roses did have three guitarists. So why would it be so crazy to still have three guitarists? And let's be honest, does Guns N' Roses really need two keyboardists? No, but they do. You know, they so Axel doesn't seem to mind having a huge band up on stage. So maybe have them both. I don't know. I think Slash would have minded having two other guitarists because that was kind of one of the reasons why, you know, like Zach Wilde didn't, didn't work out. Like Slash is the lead guitarist. He's not going to split. Doug Goldstein has said this, uh, that Slash didn't want to split leads with anybody. But dude, how weird would it have looked with Slash's hat next to DG Ashba's Nightmare Before Christmas Slash hat? That would have been they'd like. Probably, they'd probably tell him to drop it yeah, at that point. Right? Come on. That would have been a cartoon show. I mean, I just tweeted yeah. out now. I mean, at least for one show. I'll 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 do it. Slash DJ and Bucket. Let's have a, a cap off. Let's have a, a hat off. Let's let's do it. You know th th <laughs> that I could deal with. So all right, I was like wondering. I'm like, no way. Because if Sla I mean, I've heard that too. Axel's a loyal guy, so there's no way that he would have picked Ashba over Richard. So it has. I wish Eddie. Yeah, I wish Eddie would have asked him that because Eddie was asking a lot of good questions. Um, and Eddie also gets. 
uh, like honestly, Eddie really knows his stuff, but at the sure. same time, he gets a few things a little bit wrong, in my opinion. So do we all? Because um, <laughs> for example, he said that that when the reunion happened, he goes, "People forget that Duff was in the band, and and Slash was basically the only one joining." And it's like Duff played several shows with them, but it almost seemed like he was in there for Tommy Stinson just to make up some shows while Tommy was gone. Right. I don't think anyone looked at Duff as a full-fledged member. People nope. were like, oh, this is cool. The same way that we got to see Izzy on stage for a few shows. Right. So I think it's a little bit misleading to say Duff was already back and the only member who came that we were waiting on was Slack. I agree with that. The only, and the only way you can phrase it that we were waiting on to not hate Axel anymore or whoever who was, you know, or vice versa, or whatever it is, it was to get slashed, at least just to to talk, to get mom and dad back together. But you're right, yeah, Duff was not, I never looked at that as a full-fledged member. He was just being a, a good sport and helping out Tommy Stinson, you know, when he... Yeah, if the reunion would have uh, never happened, right, and they did another tour, I would have expected to see Tommy Stinson back on stage. Yeah, yeah, man, and, and what a great dude he is. He just did a great interview, a print interview, with our buddy Matt Wake uh, for AL.com, and I hope to get Tommy on again. When his new album comes out, uh, it's it's. I think that's when it's going to happen. You know, when he has a new album to promote, we'll get Tommy Stinson back on. And he's just another example of just like you know. I hope I have no idea if DJ ever received my uh, my interview requests, but you know, it's kind of the same thing. I would allow him to play his EDM stuff on my podcast. It's fine, and I'm not going to sit here. You know, I say everything I think in context. Like it's like what I make fun of DJ Ashba's hat. Like I, I'm a bad guy. No, I obviously I, I was a fan. I thought that first 6 a.m. record was phenomenal, phenomenal. I loved it. So when he was uh, asked to join Guns N' Roses, I was super excited. I just happened to be turned off by the hat. Look, I'm sorry because it's like Slash the guy in the hat and Guns N' Roses, and the whole Colgan thing that he did with like putting his ears, you know, his hand behind his uh, his ear. Oh yeah, and and also not just the hat when he was also smoking a cigarette on stage, and I feel like those weren't things that he did until like a yeah. little bit later on. Yeah, I'm like, you know what, you're because yeah, I was just like, you know what, you just be you, just be like, you know, you're 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 unique enough as yourself. You don't have to go above and beyond. But again, that's just my perspective. And it didn't really take anything away because I think that's where you, I think Scott, that might've been like you and I met was at Roseland, right? When it was like DJ yeah. Ashbro was there and it was a great show. It was fun. They, they, it was the first time they played Estranged, right? In uh, like 13 years or something like that. Well, no, not that particular. It wasn't show. that show. Or was that or was that the, just that year that they played it? No, it was just that year because I even remember on the forum people were like, "Holy shit!" That yeah, you could it was you a, could find it because okay, it See, was I, that year though. Definitely. To case in point, I don't remember everything correctly either, and I'm the I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. But no, because I think it was a bigger show where they where they um, did it for the first time in 14 years. Like it was a big venue show. Well, whatever it was, I mean, it was still a great show and. I enjoyed it, but, you know, is it... While you're talking, I'm going to see if I can find it. <laughs> okay, no, please do. I need a producer. I need a co-host, because that's how we would help out each other sometimes. One of us talking while the other one plays producer. But Yeah. So I have... I, I would love to talk to, to DJ about 6 a.m. and talk to him about Ashba Water. I, I still love... I, I, it's in my Facebook memories. I, I made me laugh the other day. Your picture in front of the Ashba Water. The, the, our, oh, yeah, when I was in Vegas... Um, are, is Ashville Water still a thing? No, I think it went out of business. And then uh, he also did a cover of Chow Bella, which I, you know, that's cool, man. Just that's yeah, that's his new, uh, as he says, GDM stuff. Yeah, you know, like you know what? Again, just like you said, 
may not be my you know may not be my favorite thing in the world, but it's, it's pretty cool. You know, there's no reason. Okay, to- just just to get it right here because I knew it was a big show. The first time they played a strange since 1993 was at Rock in Rio, Brazil, of course, uh, October 2nd, 2011. Okay, all right, thank you, I appreciate that. All and, good. And I always I put I put it out there since episode one with you. If I get something wrong, when I get something wrong, obviously I don't have Ian here to correct me all the time. Send me a message. I'll correct it the next time. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not. Look, Eddie Trunk doesn't smoke weed. I have <laughs> a, uh, you know, I have a legalized uh, marijuana medical card. So, uh, you know, sometimes my brain cells, they're not all in uh, working condition. So, uh, okay. So we have that. So the DJ interview, do you have anything else to say on it? Because that was the only thing I really wanted to clear up. Like, is it either or with Fortis or was it a three guitar attack? So it seems like it, it, that just was not specified that it was probably going to be DJ Fortis and Slash. And you know what? I kind of like that it is just back to the two guitars, but whatever. That is, that's enough. yeah. We don't know. I, I and I think he would have given you an honest answer if if, if Eddie would have asked. But sure, um, it sounds didn't. like it. And then yeah, the the um, only other thing that uh, other big thing I guess that I could think of is that he said uh, he was hammered every night. He said because he goes, I still don't know exactly why Axel showed up late to every show. I never really got a straight answer. Isn't that crazy? And he said when he would ride up, uh, what is it called, the elevator? I think he said. Um, he said, like, yeah, it was kind of scary because I'm I just drank a whole bunch and you could fall right off that thing that dr- that goes way above the drum riser. And uh, yeah, he said we would start drinking at like 10 or 11 and we wouldn't go on stage until like midnight. So he said I was hammered most of the time. Isn't that amazing that people in his own band uh, don't know <laughs> why? And, you know, Doug Goldstein in the book that's going to come out is going to give you like during his tenure, you know, why the reasons why he didn't he was late you know in some specifics some overalls um so going to slash now his interview uh he said a few interesting things before we go into the new music thing which is obviously i guess the most interesting uh, that he yeah. talks about izzy you know yeah uh which was very surprising that he was resentful when izzy left guns and roses he thought we were gonna die and you know what i mean he thought he was gonna die too that's why he left so i mean uh, Wow, for Izzy just to leave that lifestyle all these years later and just like for for mental health reasons, for health reasons, just like, wow, what an inspiration this guy is. He was as bad as any of them, man. Mr. Brownstone. And yeah, Slash, he continued doing it to himself and almost died. So, I mean, that's, that's honesty that Slash almost um, quit, you know, and... But he went into why he was they couldn't meet quote meet eye to eye to for this reunion, and the, this news was broken on my podcast when Alan Niven came on the first time that Izzy showed up to uh, a sound check or it might have just not even been a specific sound check it might have just been showed up at at the arena when uh, to meet the the band or the team or whatever and turn right back around and that was the first time like whoa Izzy was going to be a part of it. And it was shortly after that Izzy, uh, it was, this was shortly after the only interview, uh, Axel's on a couple, I think. He did the one with like Mexico City TV, and then he did one with the China Exchange. But the Mexico one is the, the one that he did with Duff. And he talked about, he's like, I don't really know what's going on with Izzy. He's got his own things going on. And that's when Izzy tweeted the next day, and since it's been deleted, that, you know, bullshit, they didn't want to split the loot equally. 
So, yeah. I mean, do you believe that's still the case? You know, it's still a, a money thing. Why Izzy didn't want to be uh, a part of it? Because Yeah, I think it always goes back to money on, on some level, and it sounds like a similar thing to, uh, and I know I've brought it up on the podcast, but similar thing to Kiss. That's why you don't see Peter Chris or Ace Freely. It, it is a money thing, I, I, I think. I think that... And, and there's always people with those differing uh, opinions of you'll hear people say, well, a band is supposed to be a gang and they're supposed to be like splitting things equally. And then other people say, no, like it has to do with what people demand to see. And if, if I had, uh, it's hard to say, I was going to say, if I had to guess, I'd say Slash is probably getting paid more than Duff, but maybe I'm wrong on that. But we all know like who the mainstream fan, the casual fan cares about seeing and the casual fan, quite honestly, just cares about mainly Axel and Slash. If they see them both on stage, they're ha- how many people have said to you when you go when you say I'm going to see Guns N' Roses? Oh, is Slash there? That's what that's what they want to know. Is it Slash or yeah. is it just Axel and other guys? You're absolutely right. And our Guns N' Roses hardcore fan base doesn't want to hear about that. But we've again, we said this since the beginning of the podcast. It's the truth. When I saw three Guns N' Roses shows this past year or last year. What were people dressed up as going to shows? They weren't. Slash. Slash and Axel. No one was dressed (laughs) as Duff. No one was dressed as Izzy. Not even Buckethead. You know, it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's mom and dad. It's Axel and Slash. Those are the money makers. It's just, it is what it is. And to the, to the general population. We understand. You know, there's like, that's why we have a podcast going on 300 plus episodes. It's, it's true with so many bands. I mean, when Black Sabbath reunited, people were like, oh, it's not a reunion. It's not Bill Ward on drums. But the average Sabbath mainstream fan, they want to hear the big songs and they want to see um, Tony Iommi and Ozzy Osbourne. Right. And whoever else is on stage, I don't I don't think they honestly really care if it's Geezer Butler, if it's Bill Ward. I think as long as it's Tony Iommi playing guitar and Ozzy on vocals, they're happy. They're yeah, going to go. Yeah, that's the battery mates, man. So Slash went on to say, and this is, again, via uh, Classic Rock magazine. This only came out a few days ago. Uh, that he really hadn't talked to Izzy uh, since he quit Guns N' Roses. You know? uh, there was a lot of different issues that I'm really not going to get into, which I, th- I respect that. that. See, that's always the answer that I want. You don't want to talk about it? Just say it. That's fine. I'm not going to push you for it. Um, we wanted it to work out. Oh, this is like this is actually rooting back to uh, 2016, the reunion, not the, his first departure. Uh, hold on, damn it! My fucking cat just pressed mute. Get out of here! <laughs> My cat literally just jumped on the mixer and pressed mute. That's, that's what he does. So, welcome to 2022. Thanks, GB. I love him. Anyway, so this is going back to the uh, 2016 reunion that Slash hasn't spoken to Izzy much since the reunion. And he says there are a lot of different issues that I'm not really going to go get into. Uh, we wanted it to work out, but we really couldn't seem to meet eye to eye on the whole thing. So it just never happened. And that was it. So, I mean, you know, open for interpretation. If you look at social media, everyone thinks it's money. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the big nugget is and the thing that I'm not allowed to ask about, which is, you know, what, which is why I was asked to take down the Frank Ferreira interview. When uh, my buddy at uh, Mark at Golden Robot Re- Records asked him this really roundabout question about what if, if a band like yours currently concocted got into a, a studio and made new music, what would it sound like? You know, and Frank gives his opinion on what new Guns N' Roses music might sound like. And I was, you know, asked to take that down. But at the point, the whole episode is posted. Like, stop. There's a point where it's like, it's not fair to me. Yeah. Um, and... 
he, so Slash, I guess, could talk about it. Uh, there's a new there's new guns material coming as, out as we speak, and we'll probably uh, keep putting it out until the entire record's worth of stuff is done and to put it out solid. He says it's cool. I really enjoy working on the stuff and having a good time doing it. So I guess that that's in that in itself is great. You know, we knew more stuff is coming more than absurd and hard school, which we really didn't get much. You know, there was no press release. We didn't know it was coming. It kind of just happened. Yeah. The, the question is for this, though, is this what we want to see and hear, which is we want Axel slash and Duff and the other guys in a studio working on new material, brand new material, not reworks of old stuff that Axel and other guys wrote that, you know, and that's what we want to see. And is it going to live up to the expectations of, of what we hope? See, yeah, that was an look at this. Simpatico. Same question. <laughs> and GB, if you press the mute button again, you're I'm not going to give you catnip later. Um, that goes back because he did an interview pr- before that. I think it was another print interview where he said they hadn't been in a room together to write music the entire tour. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, are you kidding and, me? And they technically haven't. We all, I mean, we know how things are nowadays. It's very easy that Duff recorded those parts on his own and sent them in and Slash recorded it. That's There's different. so many collaborations where the artists never even meet. Well, that's different. Maybe that's me being falling for semantics. You don't technically have to be in a Zoom room together. To have some sort of communication because I, I think they back yeah, in the but day. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same, man. I want them to be in studio together. But they didn't really do that back in the day. Sometimes either, you know. But but well, that, that's the not classic what, stuff. We know they did for appetite, not for all user yeah. illusion, not for all that. But for for uh, you know for most of appetite. Well, actually, all of appetite. Well, we I, know that they wrote like a traditional band writes. Well, my point being was I took it like they are not working on any completely organic new material as a band which includes Duff and not just Slash and Axel and Duff but Melissa Reese Frank you know Richard I want this band to make new music I or, agree, but I don't consider the I don't know if you do I don't consider these last two songs organic new material these are reworks of older things that they weren't really involved in well that's a whole other discussion too so first we got absurd where you know silkworms i don't know if we talked about it early on in this podcast but i mean that was just a song i heard maybe once twice live and those leaked versions i'm like what is this axel's doing lsd this is just like (laughs) early stages of chinese democracy he's really experimenting this will never see the light of day and then it comes out and i can't believe that i like it i know it is so weird i know it is so different maybe it's because my my fiance likes the line person I didn't want to say it. Pussy full of maggots. So she, she but it's like seeing how Axel cl- clearly loves singing it on stage. Like you can, I saw it. I was there. He loves it. Uh, so I, 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 by the way, I was there, but I was in the bathroom. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good it's job. The one song that I missed. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Goes to a Guns N' Roses concert, misses the new Guns N' Roses song. Hey. And, and to my defense, for those who remember the set list, it was because and look, it's a long set. You're going to want to go to the bathroom at some point. And when uh, Duff did his is he uh, Iggy Pop cover, I'm like, okay, this is a good time to go to the bathroom. No, and you don't know what you're missing next. Two mistakes there. Here's your. I'll forgive you because yeah, I brain farts all the time. Gilby Clark, you forget that name, fine. But there's two things here. You, you every Guns N' Roses fan knows the bathroom song is knocking on heaven's door. 
That's just because it's going on. You but can, I like seeing Knocking on Heaven's Door. I don't really care that much about seeing Duff do a cover. Uh, yeah, but Knocking on Heaven's Door, you got time if you got to take a shit or something. Like, you know it's going to be a good like nine minutes, ten minutes. Anyway. I had no idea that they were playing a new song. That's the thing. Well, so. I mean, nobody really did. They were the leaked. No, set- you did because you saw them play it prior. They were leaked. Set- oh, yeah, I guess at that point. But uh, my, the first one that I went to, which was the uh, uh, Hershey Park show. And they might have played it that night if, if there weren't technical difficulties because there were leaked set lists that had this song called Absurd on it. Like, what is this? And, you know, that was like, that blew everyone. Like, what is this? You know, is this uh, some troll and making up a set list? And it's, this is what we got as Guns N' Roses fans. We have uh, to, to live on rumor and hope and will. Uh, but they didn't play it that night. And also, I mean, come on. that I love Duff's cover of... Uh, of Iggy Pop. I mean, that's a great cover. Oh, yeah, but you, you got to choose the... when you want to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I guess. All right. All right. I, 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 I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Um, but here's the thing, though. So I, I like that song. And Hard School, yeah, they've talked about, like, maybe was that the Jackie Chan, the rumored Jackie Chan. Uh, there was a... Uh, your, yeah, I your, saw that. Your boy, Howard Stern. There was um, a clip that was going around when Duff was on there in, like, the, in like 93, saying, you know... Uh, <laughs> Howard certainly was not, I don't know about now, maybe you listen to him now. I only watch like the clips they post on Facebook. But he's like, what the fuck's up with Axel? He's saying this to Duff. He's like, what's, what's going on? Where, where's the new music? And he's like, well, Slash and I are currently working on, you know, uh, new music for a Jackie Chan film. And so people believe that's what a hard school became. And, uh, you know, I, I liked it, man. I thought it was really, it was really cool. I, you know, I have no problem with it. My, my biggest thing was as they continue to uh, sell this merch for, for hard school, I don't think it's the appropriate merch. You want to go hard school, you got to come out with like rulers and trapper keepers and erasers and ballpoint pens. And, you know, it's, you got to make it school or whatever. That's like, a, that's a, that's a, I've said that terrible joke before, but I mean, that's, but that, that was something that's like, wow, this band did something. But again, it's the, my problem with management, you know, no specific one, but just in general. And this band even though they're my favorite one, is communication. There's no communication. Like, where does this come from? So I was able to just to find out from interviewing Josh Freeze that he was not on it. So it's a process of elimination, you know, and that's when we found out that uh, Chinese democracy, before it had lyrics, was called Smells Like Josh Spirit. You know, so that, that was a cool little nugget to get from Josh. But, I mean, these are like little nuggets. I'm not asking about, you know, I just want to hear how songs are made. You know, and yeah, and, I, I but I still want to hear a song okay. organically written with these guys, and and I'm not taking anything anything away from them. I, Absurd is okay in my opinion. Hard score, I think, is a good song, but I, if I'm gonna be honest, neither of them blow me away. The first time I heard Chinese Democracy, and I just heard that riff, I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, I want to hear something that really excites me in that way, and I know that they're capable of it. We know Slash still writes music, and Duff still writes music, and. I don't know if it's them having some fear over if it'll match up to people's expectations, because if it doesn't, a lot of fans, whether they're casual fans or diehard fans like us, are going to say, you know what, they should have just kept the catalog as it is because this isn't what we were hoping for. Um, You know, that's how I feel about like the last Motley Crue album. Like, it's okay. It's not, there's nothing that's like great about it to me. There's a couple of songs I really like and that's about it. Um, Guns N' Roses, though, I actually do put up at a higher standard because, to me, everything that's been put out at the guns on the Guns N' Roses name is great, and I don't want them to put out a uh, subpar album under that name. I don't so think they, they, there's a lot they have yeah. to worry about. 
I just don't think I don't see that happening because I mean, look at just what Chinese democracy is and and anything subpar. I mean, it it can't get yeah. Any- I, and, and, but keep in mind, to us, it's not subpar, but to the mainstream fan, it is. I don't think they care because they still play those songs. So yeah, I just want them to put out something that's really good, and and maybe the chemistry is not there other than in a live setting. I don't know. And and also, I'll be honest with this too. Axel's voice is not what it was on Chinese Democracy. This was the first tour I personally saw where, look, it was a great performance, had a great time, but I could see the deterioration on certain songs. Axel used to not usually struggle doing songs like Better, which they might as well just take off the set list because he is struggling with those songs. And it makes me think like, this is kind of it. I don't want them to be a shadow of what they used to be. And they're not yet, but... They could be. I don't want them to go out there. And when I watch like Bon Jovi live now, I don't know if they were ever that great live, but like John just does not sound like classic John Bon Jovi. I don't want that. And at some point you got to bow out. And if you're going to do an album, like now is the time to do it. You got, you can only do so much with Pro Tools that um, it's going to sound like the classic GNR that we love. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things there because about bowing out, I mean, sometimes, yeah, you're not going to... It's like an athlete. You know you're not going to perform to the level that you once did when you're 20 and, yeah, athletes have to retire. But you do you really need to do that music if people are still coming to pay see you? Case in point, even though he had to cancel because of COVID and hopefully he does more stuff, is David Lee Roth. Look, I, I, yeah, David Lee Roth was never the best singer, but you know what? I would still pay to see him, man. He's entertaining as fuck. I don't care. Yeah, it, I, it, uh, But I'll, at the same time, compare that to, and I did see him recently at Sony Musical, Sebastian Bach still sounds like Sebastian Bach. Sebastian Bach, if he has kept his voice up because you watch him and there is no sign of like, this is a shadow of what this guy used to be. And I, I do feel like Axel's a little bit more in that territory than Sebastian. And I don't want to see... I don't want to go to Guns N' Roses show and be like, man, they should have hung it up. Don't feel that way now, but I feel like we're getting to a point where I could see that happening five years from now. The only thing that I would do, because uh, when I would go, I would notice, look, and I don't want to go this route, you know, critiquing Axel's voice because it's such a, it could be a low-hanging fruit, and I'm just, I don't want to, I'm not that kind of host. I want to err on the side of positive of things. I, I had positive sure. reviews of all the shows. Um, I had some great experiences last year interviewing fans, doing uh, reviews of the shows, getting their honest opinion. I want it. It's when, when a Guns N' Roses show is over, when it's like two and a half, three, uh, three hours, three and a half hours, whatever, it's always like, oh my God, it's like, that's it. But at the same time, should Axl Rose, who's going to be 60 in a month, be doing a three hour show where I noticed the first half of the shows are stronger than the last half. And that's to no fault of anybody. That's just... By the way, this just reminded me when you said he's going to be 60. That means it's basically 10 years ago when we saw them. Because remember, it was the 50th birthday yeah. and they had the birthday cake and all that. Yeah. It's just crazy to think 10 years have passed since then. And look at what's happened. So that's how I look at Like a lot has happened in these 10 years where, you know, not in this lifetime. Slash and Axel hate each other. It'll never, never happen. And I'm so happy to where they are now. And there's just a lot of good news. Like this, you know, the Slash interview is good news. I think the DJ thing is good news. I like when former members talk positively. You're right. I wish Bumblefoot would, whatever happens in his situation would 
you know, maybe he'll come on my podcast then, you know, <laughs> or something. It's just what happened. This should be, it's a rock band. It shouldn't leave you that angry. You would hope not. You would hope not. Um, and then also the, the thing I, I, I kept, uh, I don't want to forget is the reworking old material. Now, does that, I understand, and I do want it to, that this band is presently constituted would be amazing going to, just like Slash did with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. In a room together, let's record, banging out, rock and fucking roll, let's go. But that's not the way Axel works. Don't Cry was the first Guns N' Roses song they ever wrote. Axel said it on tour this year. You know, like we kind of, we knew that anyway. It was written before Appetite. Didn't show up until Use Your Illusion later. Same thing with November Rain, written before Appetite. And I've later. I've speculated possibly same thing with um with uh, You Could Be Mine because of the fact that those lyrics are inside the booklet for Appetite. True. Yeah, I'm actually actually that's something I, I'm not sure about. But there's there's been there are a few songs that ended up user, on user illusions that were written before Appetite. And since we were just mentioning Van Halen, that album, A Different Kind of Truth, it's like you made this material. Like, I don't want it to go to waste. Like I want to hear it. Good music is good music regardless of when it happened. So I kind of want both. But that was, that was you know, Eddie material with, I think, during the classic times. I actually, that I don't know, come to think of it. But well, just like, say it is. It was always Eddie Van Halen. Sure. So. And I know there's it's a, a difference. You're right. It is not. It's not apples to apples. But I'm just. I'm trying to think of. I don't know if there is an apples to apples case here, but I think I just. I want it all. I want whatever's left over from the Chinese. The Chinese leftovers. Uh, I think <laughs> it, it's it's cool to hear slashes and Duff spin on it, but I don't want all that time to be spent on that because I want to hear what. Sixty-year-old yeah. Guns N' Roses also has to say, "I want, I, and I, I want it all." Think just as a creative guy, Slash is like, he has to be thinking like, "I don't want to do all the stuff that's already been written." Like, I want to put out some new material that that I thought of. I think that's what he's doing with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. I think that's why. I mean, but you you know what ninety-nine percent of us want. <laughs> I know that, and it's it's. Look, I, I love Todd Kearns. Uh, Miles Kennedy could not have been nicer to me when I interviewed him. And actually, Todd, uh, hopefully it should happen this year. Obviously, super busy dude uh, with them going on tour soon. And by the way, if you want to see uh, the Slash show in NYC, let me know. I, I got to look into handicap seats for that. Um, I, he, Todd said he's going to try to get uh, Brent Finson and, and Frank Sedaris, uh, who is also in Mammoth's band. Who, uh, yeah. but he had, uh, speaking of car accidents, he had a major one, and hopefully, I think his wife was like in bad shape. So, hopefully, you know, he had shit to deal with. So, um, hopefully, I'll have like a, a true, like, uh, SK, was it SKMC? That's how you, you abbreviate it, <laughs> slash Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators uh, episode coming up. But I think that's where Slash gets a lot of his energy out now. And I wouldn't be surprised to see if Duff coming out with, uh, I don't know, it'd be silly if he called it uh, uh, Tenderness 2, Electric Boogaloo or something like that. <laughs> but if he came out with his own side project. But this uh, this gives me more hope, though. This is not like we're just going to get these two songs just like, you know, here you go, guppies, Guns N' Roses fans that are complaining on my GNR forum and all you fans of Appetite for Distortion that don't shut up. You know, here's a couple of songs and just... Obviously, I know it's not that, um, but it just it's it's exciting, and it just gives me hope for this band and the future. And what Slash also said, this was not supposed to last. Remember, Ian, we started this this podcast, Appetite for a Reunion, 
I watched yeah, the, that's what I, I I didn't even see it being like a long time. I know, I know you did it. I thought we were just going to talk the reunion, you know. Uh, so things changed, like uh, you evolved it. I know, I know you did, and and look where we're going. And uh, it's cool that this band is still. Well, it can be frustrating at times. It's a fun frustrating. Obviously, this isn't life or death, but we're still talking about them. We're still talking about new music. There's a lot of f- cool things in 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 the future for this band. I think that is still to come, and it's it's great. I think it's absolutely. And it's great. truly like the only mega tour I could think of. I, there's probably others, but like that went off without a hitch during this whole pandemic. I, I like, can't think of no one. cancellations other than one with uh, Mammoth, but it was pretty much the. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. They did it, and and look at Axel, man. He fought through food poisoning, which I I think was the Fenway show. Uh, where he was like almost throwing up, and I think Melissa also got sick. They said food poisoning. You know, I'm not going to jump to any conclusions, but they they. Oh, it's got to be because if any, you know how it is. If anybody got COVID, those right. shows wouldn't happen. Oh yeah, and that would be so like you know illegal and, and bad if like they they hid that and shit. But uh, it's hard for even putting that out into the ether. But the fact that they got <laughs> they got sick uh, and and battled through. Yeah, man. Except for somebody on the mammoth camp, they got sick and and they pulled it off. And they were able, they, they, look at that. Those were three, some of the three best nights of, of my last year, you know, that I got to spend, you know, meeting certain fans, you know, my, my, my going with my girlfriend to these shows, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was great, man. So I, it's, I'm not going to complain too much. That's why I didn't want to get into like yeah, Axel's voice and all that stuff. Like where we, and cause I, I do get it. Like I get it. And it's a point, it's an act, it's a legitimate gripe for some people especially if you go back and you know watch some of the older clips but i think it's just you gotta take into account this dude is oh yeah i I guess i just say it for the the main reason i say it though is just because if we're gonna hear new material it's just like now is the time man don't don't keep us hanging right yeah so i guess that's something else too like where are these vocals for heart school and absurd from 1999 uh you know what are the vocals no i think they're new i think they're new yeah, I hope so. Think back. I mean, if you want to hear the the newest Axel is Rock the Rock, right <laughs> from Looney Tunes. So that's that's how he does it now. So he can still yeah. do it, and you know, it's uh, everyone praises that ACDC Axel DC tour where he was just nailing it. And look, those were shorter shows. If that's what GNR has to do for to get the the ultimate Axel, or maybe he wants to do these three hour shows and like. I haven't been with Slash in so long, and like I got, I got to make up for lost talk. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's it's not taking much out of my enjoyment. It really isn't. So that was kind of the synopsis of all the. If you want to relive some of the shows last year through the eyes of the fans and myself, you know that's kind of was the. Everyone said it. I didn't tell anybody. All the fans. I didn't say you know. I didn't tell them to oh be nice to Axel, hold some feelings back. No, tell me your, your feelings. Tell me how you you know you really felt about the show, and they. All kind of on par with what we say, you know. It was it was not the the clickbaity kind of fans, the nasty fans that we were maybe talking about at the beginning of uh, of this conversation that were just you know looking for trouble, you know, looking for something negative. That's just that's not what I'm about. That's what I don't think the culture I've created. That's why you are a perfect co-host. That's not what you're about. Does it happen sometimes? Do you have to talk about it? Yeah, because we're you know we're not blind. We're obvious, but. You know, uh, now I'm just now I'm just uh, rambling and babbling. I think <laughs> it's because I haven't talked to you for so long. I haven't talked to the AFD show uh, Bad Apples in so long. 
Uh, and I'm just glad that I've been able to, t- to talk for nearly an hour and a half and uh, my lip is not bleeding, which was, <laughs> dude, I was going, I, I've been going to sleep because I normally wear an eye mask because I need to sleep in the dark. And just so my lip doesn't like, you know, because I put uh, Aquaphor on it before I, I go to sleep. And so I don't just get all that shit on my pillow. So I have a mask on, like, you know, a COVID mask. So I'm going yeah, to sleep. Yeah. I'm going to sleep <laughs> with two masks on my face every fucking night, you know, the past few nights. But it's been a fucking mess. So this has been a nice little escape from the mess that's been uh, my life these past few days. So thanks, Good, Ian. Thanks, Ian. I appreciate you uh, helping me get this off my chest and just talk Guns N' Roses with me as well. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, anything you need to talk about? Because obviously, you know, we can keep going, but I, I think I, I want to save my I, voice. I don't have much to say about it, but I at least want to mention um, oh. I finally went to Los Angeles and went to the Sunset Strip and saw the Whiskey A Go-Go and saw the Rainbow Bar and Grill and the Comedy Cellar. And, and also, literally, this was crazy, just walking the Sunset Strip um, to go to In-N-Out Burger, which was a long walk. I just wanted to go there. I passed like all the strip clubs they talk about in the girls, girls, girls song, like the Marvel arch and all these things. I was like, this is the actual club, same name. Like I didn't, I didn't go into any of them. I would tell you if I did, but, um, they, (laughs) it's just crazy to see all these things that I remember from Motley Crue videos and Guns N' Roses (sighs) and, and seeing how small the whiskey a go-go was. Like when you hear about bands like Guns N' Roses talk about selling out the whiskey a go-go it would basically be like selling out Revolution in Amityville where we live. It's not that much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was cool to finally see these things. And at the Rainbow, seeing like these old pictures of Axel and old pictures of Slash and the um, the statue they now have for uh, Lemmy from Motorhead. So it was cool doing all that finally. Awesome. I will do that eventually. Oh, and before I, I do forget, because I mentioned my, it's I don't, it's not a, b- a beef with uh, with Tracy Guns, so I'll I'll tell the story here again, not mentioning a name because it's it's a person that was nice to me, even though there's a seems to be some co- sort of a communication misunderstanding. So obviously, like a lot of people, Tracy Guns has been a challenge to get on the podcast. He's very. And by the way, you're mentioning this too because I did see L.A. Guns at the Whiskey Go Go New Year's Eve. Oh, so. nice! No, very cool. So I got I had Phil Lewis on. He was awesome. Very nice guy. Yeah. Oh, and I was so caught up in that conversation, I barely got to talk Guns N' Roses with him. Well, imagine that. So I'm like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe this is the perfect ammunition to talk to Tracy Guns. That like this, yeah, I could. I'll talk to you all about L.A. Guns. I'm just happy to talk to you. But prior to even that happening. Because Tracy's very responsive on social media, um, I had asked him on on Twitter, which that's how you got Charlie Benanti. Like, would you want to come on the podcast? And he's like, you know, I don't, I don't really do podcasts. And I guess said respect, sure, whatever. A no is a no, and I I do take that. I will take a no. It's just a matter when the no becomes blurry or it doesn't, you know, you say no, then yes, and then you dick me around. That's when I get you know emotionally confused about it. So I had done an interview with somebody, and for whatever reason, the the L.A. Guns manager called me, got my number from some from a guest, about nothing bad, just wanted to talk to me about something that I spoke about on a podcast that he was interested in, and I said, you know, I've been trying to get Tracy Guns on the podcast. You know, I just hope maybe if you listen to this episode I just did, you're asking me about, you kind of know what I'm about, that I'm not a clickbait person, I'm a nice guy. And he's like, yeah, that, that's me. I, I tell Tracy not to do these interviews. And he's like, no, I'll, I'll get you. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay. You know, hit us up when the new album is coming out. 
and uh, we'll get you Tracy and Phil. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. New album comes out. I email. Uh, we'll get you. We can get you Phil. Sure. You know, I'm because I'm, I'm not the biggest. There's something. It's the truth. I'm not the biggest LA Guns fan. I know so little of their catalog. I respect the hell out of them, but it's just my world never really went that way. It just didn't. Yeah. It went the Poison way. It went the Motley Crue way. It went Guns N' Roses way. So uh, then I get. So after I interviewed Phil, it went well. I even got uh, a confirmation that if I wanted to get Phil back on to talk Guns N' Roses this time, no problem. Everything went great. Then I, I write back to LA Guns manager and like, hey, you know, this is like weeks after, maybe a month after. Hey, just following up. Maybe there's a chance I can get Tracy on if you see how well the, tra- uh, the Phil interview went. Uh, everything is, you know, maybe this is the time. So tell me how you would read this. this per- uh, the manager says... Um, hit me up next week with the same exact question. Oh, okay. Maybe it wasn't. And I did that. And a day later, it was basically like, sorry, ain't happening. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I'll call you if anything changes. And then I see Tracy, he did some print interview with somebody or maybe on someone else's podcast. I'm just like, what the fuck? You know, see, that's when I get offended. I was okay the first time. I, I, I remember tweeting to Tracy, respect, when he said no. But now I was like, what the fuck? So I, I put out, uh, I think I, I, I did a screen capture of the interview that he just did. And I said, look, I, I, I've just got rejected again from Tracy Guns. You know, I, I, I'm not sure why. Um, I, I've offered not to talk Guns and Roses. You know, I'm just really disappointed. And I tagged him on Twitter and on Facebook. Not thinking he'd respond to that, but just like, I don't know, just to tag him. He responds on Facebook saying, it makes it sound like I'm purpose- purposely avoiding your podcast. I'm not. You know, best of luck to you. And I, I respond, I'm like, you know what? If I misinterpreted something from your manager, that's fine. If you're not purposely avoiding me, I don't, I don't take it personally. But what was kind of great was I had no idea the amount of followers he has on Facebook. They all started commenting. Like, I got so... And that's so many comments. I got a lot of followers out of that too. Probably more followers than I would have gotten out of a Tracy Guns, an actual Tracy Guns interview. So, and I was, I won people over saying like, I would tell this guy to fuck off. I'd be like, I would tell me to fuck off too. But you don't really know the whole story. And then some people like, oh, you know this about this podcast before I listened to you. You're kind of all right. I'll, I'll give you a listen now. Oh, oh, look at you. You're, you're, you're backpedaling with what you said to Tracy about, you know, apologizing. Like, no. I got new information that maybe he didn't know about it and he's not avoiding me. So now I can adjust my, you know, maybe I did overreact or got angry at the wrong person. But again, did I, how would you read that as a manager? Hit me up with the next, uh, the same question. He told me like, yes, like uh, once. And, I, and he made it sound like, you know, I guess ask me next week. I can't answer this right now, but ask me like on Monday. That's how I took it. Yeah. And then, so I, whatever. At the, so that's, so that, that's what was funny. And then the, the other day, it was Phil Lewis's birthday, and I took one of my, uh, you know, I took a clip of the interview of, of Phil talking, uh, waxing poetic about playing with Tracy Guns, and I put that on Twitter, and Tracy retweeted it. So either he doesn't remember me, or he just doesn't give a shit, or he just wanted to wish a happy birthday to Phil, because it was a good clip. It was a, it was a nice clip of Phil talking about uh, Tracy Guns and how they work together. So I, I mentioned that at the beginning. Didn't want to forget it. I haven't talked about it completely on this podcast, especially the manager part. But again, this is what I deal with managers. So it's not not just Team Brazil. And 
you know, they've never been managers before. So maybe their their job, especially their managers of Axel Rose, their job is probably harder than most managers. So I will always give that to them. I just would love some communication. At least tell me no. Or if Frank, when I went back to listen to that, that episode, uh, he said that he wanted to come on with, with Brain. So I could have a Frank Brain episode. And Brain, look, sorry, Brain, I reached out to him recently. He responded because him and Melissa put out some, uh, some trap music. And I, I, I said, I would love to interview you guys about this. And he goes, you know what his first word? Maybe I still have it. Or did I delete it? Oh, maybe I deleted it. His first word was uh, rad. <laughs> if you remember. I, oh, I don't know. Because everything he said, I, it was on my clipboard, but my soundboard before. He would always say rad, rad. So he's like, rad. Is he from California? Yeah, yeah. Because they always do. I, that's just a California thing. I, I've learned that from interviewing some L.A. people, yeah. So he said, yeah, I'll talk to Melissa. You'll see how she feels about it. Never heard yeah. back, but I know Melissa. It's like how people in Boston say wicked for everything. That's true. Or uh, uh, Long Islanders say bro. Or, uh, what, 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 yeah. Yeah, what do we say? <laughs> uh, but and he's, Melissa wants to come on with brains, so it's just like it's a communication thing. Like, come on, I'm not here. I'll talk about... You know, like with Wolfgang or, or and Dirty Honey, I won't talk about GNR if you don't want. Just a chance to talk to you about whatever you're promoting. Just a chance to have a human interaction with uh, an interviewer that appreciates you and, and a, a small listener base that will appreciate you, uh, I guess. So I think that's how I need to. That was the only thing I think I forgot to mention. It's a lot to get out in these two weeks that have happened since my last episode. A lot. <sighs> and I said that with one tooth. I'm missing. Oh, half a tooth. Oh, God. Oh, God. Whatever. I, a special shout out to my um, uh, my fiance, who's just been awesome making me chicken soup and, and soft foods. So I don't like accidentally rip my tooth off or anything like that. So anyway, uh, Ian, anything you want to promote before we're out of here? <laughs> before I, I, no, I'm good, man. I, I guess check out Battleline Podcast and... Uh, yeah, that's really it. So, well, thanks, man. I, I always do appreciate. It. Obviously, next time I have a guest, uh, I think of you. If I ever get on Don Dockin, we gotta come on. Oh, that would be cool. Can we make that happen? Can you try to make that happen? Try to get Don Dockin on this podcast? Maybe, but yeah, he'd be cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I've never talked to the guy, but any of the eighties, <laughs> like the soup. I, I mean, I don't expect you. You know, he's not like yours. You're one of your uh, Snapchat friends, but you, you, <laughs> you've pulled some cr- cool things out of your. We, we both have. Like, you inspired me at the beginning with what you accomplished with, you know, your early podcast and what we were able to do with ours at the time and what you're still doing. Like, getting Charlie Benanti. Uh, I, I said that before off Twitter. I had no idea. I had no idea, we, like, a real person can make money off podcasts until you. And I was like, this could really happen. So, well, and, and, like, real, I'm not making Joe Rogan money. <laughs> Like, but I know you mean real person. But then again, those girls from like Call Her Daddy who are making like sixty million dollars. They're, they're regular people. <laughs> I should I should I should rephrase it. Real people making real expectations money. You know yeah. that 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 kind of thing. A real expectations kind of money. I'm not. Dude, I'll tell. I'll I'll give you one more real quick. Um, Tim Dillon's podcast is huge, and I I saw Tim Dillon play. A comedy club in Queens probably like six years ago, like a tiny little comedy club in Queens. And now his Patreon makes like, I don't know if it's like $100,000 a month or $200,000 a month. It's like crazy money. <sighs> well, uh, somebody asked. And he's just a regular Long Island guy. So, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, hey, do you have a Patreon? And I do. 
Uh, it's on there. I barely promote it because I just, I'm just, again, I'm terrible. We're talking about this off the air. I'm terrible marketing myself. I do not like asking for money uh, because I feel anybody listening to me, I just appreciate your listenership and everybody works hard for their money. But, I, um, you know, people who have bought T-shirts, people who have donated to the Patreon, people who just follow me, anything. Thank you. But, I, again, this, this podcast, even though Ian technically left full-time episode 39, and here we are, nearly 300 episodes later, so much has been accomplished. I mean, my God, since I'm sorry, Ian, since you left, Alice Cooper, Dave Navarro, Matt Sorm. I mean, I, I, I can't believe this shit that we've gotten on this podcast. So it's been an amazing ride, but there's still hills to climb over. And I explained some of those hills. Now, you know, we're talking about the Tracy Gunn stuff, talking about, you know, uh, the loop the Adrian Smith Iron Maiden which you can check it out the unreleased thing he said about the uh, Guns N' Roses tour on our YouTube which is only like a minute and ten long I had to take out of that interview because of a management decision last year so all the hoops that I've had to go through there are more to get through but we keep persevering and, and getting your name out there I think the, the Dave Navarro interview I don't know if I ever made Yahoo News before I mean that's yeah, that's awesome. That's fucking amazing, and the fact that I still have this New York City radio tie that I, it's it's you know it's on Q1043.com, the, the radio station I grew up listening to. So there's a lot of stuff that we've accomplished. But 2002, this is the year that you should see the Doug Goldstein book, and hopefully, you know when that comes out, everybody will know about Appetite for Distortion. But all you bad apples, you will be the original OGs. But I just don't want to be too small. I want to be kind of big before this book comes out, but don't matter. It doesn't matter if I have success with the book. You know, I'm still going to be a self-hating, you know, the the the, the cliche self-hating Jew. That that's just that's just who I am. Anyway, my my therapist uh, every two weeks, every two weeks, it's okay. Ian, what are you looking at? I'm distracted by your your face right now. Oh no, nothing. I just uh, like work stuff. Okay, I'll, I'll let you go. I, we've been talking for almost two hours. So uh, thank you for everybody who's been hanging out on this. The first episode of 2022 of Appetite for Distortion. What are you going to see next? Well, I told you earlier, Arian Bueller, uh, Bueller, Bueller, uh, will be taking his, uh, his, making his fourth appearance on the podcast. But this time, it'll be a visual. Um, I will be hidden behind a microphone to hide my freakish face. I feel like, I feel like Kramer, don't look at me. I'm hideous. But Ian, Ian says I'm not as bad as I think I am, but I don't know. I have high standards. Uh, that is to come. I don't know when the Wolfgang Van Halen uh, Dirty Honey is going to be rescheduled, but that should be. You know, Matt Storm is supposed to be rescheduled for some time in the spring. And I think it's just like a lot of these interviews. They just come out of the woodwork and they surprise me. So I can't wait to surprise you. And the best way to keep the conversation going, what I said at the beginning of this episode, in between all these broadcasts, social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show, Twitter at the AFD podcast, Appetite for Distortion on Instagram. If you want to send us an email, which Ian set up so many eons ago, at the AFD show or the AFD show at gmail.com, you can do that. You can submit a question for Doug's book that we can possibly answer within the book. Do that. And uh, yeah, wherever you, however you listen, YouTube, iHeartRadio, just uh, please follow, subscribe, and and tell a friend. So until next time, my dear Ian, when you get to see the next episode of Appetite for Distortion, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. Yeah!
to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.